Welcome back. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Julieta Televi, and joining me to discuss your questions this evening uh, will be Zuelakim Guni from Benguela Global Fund Managers when we get him on the line, uh, and Rowan Williams, Nitrogen Fund Managers, uh, Portfolio Manager there. If you'd like to send questions, please SMS 41392, email stockwatch at bdtv.co.za, or tweet us at Business Day TV using the hashtag Stockwatch. Uh, Rowan, um, while you, good to see you there this evening, firstly. Um, and it's the start of a new month, uh, not a great one. Um, the overall index ending down 0.4%. Um, but there were some very interesting moves today, and um, let's maybe talk about them. A share like Quilter that no one really ever follows, up 15% uh, at the close. What's going on there? Yeah, so it does seem like the market is hungry for, for news. Uh, that uh, seemed to emanate from um, what was a report in the Daily Mail. Um, it must have been over the, the weekend, uh, indicating that... Uh, uh, Quilter was in play, um, and NatWest, a large uh, UK bank, was interested in possibly acquiring uh, uh, Quilter. It does seem that uh, when uh, there were further reports that NatWest is actually considering a range of uh, wealth managers as options, and, and Quilter is on that list, but it still seemed to capture the market's imagination, and we mm -hmm. saw, the, saw the share yeah, uh, move up around 15% on the day. Um, and that's when the, the rand had strengthened a bit and actually the rest of the market was quite soft. So it certainly stood out. And I guess uh, given MediClinic and what we've seen, I think people are you know, getting excited potentially about uh, further transactions that could take place. Yeah, certainly. I mean, the overall market, as you say, wasn't, it wasn't great. Was the rand a factor there or um, was it, uh, I don't know, what was it really? Um, or, or, or just a bit of maybe a, um, breathtaking yeah, I think uh, we saw quite a significant rebound in July. I mean, we actually saw the markets rally uh, late uh, in the month uh, off the 75 basis point Fed hike uh, rate, uh, which seemed maybe a little bit excessive. The S&P was up over 9% uh, for July. So I think it is a bit of pause and reflect um, and uh, to see where next. I mean, we are seeing a little bit of geopolitical tension start to bubble up as well. It appears um, just in terms of U.S.-China relations and Nancy Pelosi's uh, visit to, to, to the region, the Asian region. Um, she's in Singapore. I believe she may go to Taiwan tomorrow. So that late in the, the session, the JSC uh, started to sell off, I think. So that's given a balance of probabilities. Markets run hard, maybe some risk uh, appetite uh, sort of diminishing market yeah. selling off a bit. Um, so we'd like a uh, nice to see um, you joining us there. Uh, we were talking about Quilter at the start of the show, and I know it's. I mean, Quilter is hardly symptomatic of a broader market. It's a very particular stock that actually not many people tend to chat about. And we're talking about the fifteen percent rise on speculation that NatWest is interested in it. I suppose the interesting thing is that year to date, I think its shares are still down thirty percent. So if you yeah. got excited today, you actually maybe should temper your excitement. But um, do you think it is likely that we will see more such offers for companies that haven't had much of a, much of, still haven't had much of a rebound or have, for whatever reason, got knocked back, but are actually good businesses? Do you think there's quite a few contenders like that on the JSE? Oh, 
have we lost Willock <laughs> just as we got him? Oh dear. Uh, <laughs> um, the, the technological gods are not in our favor this evening. Uh, so Rowan, perhaps if you can answer that question and then I'll go back, uh, back to Willock What do you think? Yeah, so I think, I mean, it's an interesting point. Um, what we are seeing is generally interest rates are still fairly low. Uh, certain companies have had significant profitability and what we're seeing is they may have been sitting on the sidelines waiting for some shares as you're indicating to underperform and drop down in value and maybe if they felt they'd missed a, a key market rally um, they now see an opportunity at, at quite significantly reduced prices and if so you were an interested buyer this does look much more opportune in terms of potentially putting in a bid. Mm. A lot of the companies, South African companies on the JC, actually have very reasonable valuations. What we saw is um, some of the, the companies didn't actually rebound significantly off the lows uh, from the uh, pandemic-induced sell-off. And so now we're seeing a secondary sell-off, um, just given the market selling off again um, as rates go up. And so these shares have got re very cheap. I mean, we're seeing quite a few mid-cap counters on single-digit PEs and have a dividend yield close to the PE, which is typically a key indicator of value. Yeah. And uh, so there are, I think, fairly ripe opportunities. And we could see, yeah, bigger players taking a tilt at some of these companies that sort of uh, just haven't got the rating, I guess, they deserve or attractive for buyers at these levels. Yeah. So we're like, sorry to, um, but I, I hope that we've got a secure connection with you now. Um, and well, so, yeah, okay, good. Um, you heard my question, obviously. And um, yeah. are there any contenders that spring to mind? Um, as Rowan says, there's a lot of small to mid cap companies that have that are still trading at very, very reasonable levels. I mean, are there any obvious plays out there for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I probably think that if you look across the market, there, there is a lot of uh, attractive uh, stocks. I think I think more, I'll be a bit cautious about the resources sector, but that's probably where deals could, could actually happen as well, mm. uh, the consolidation. And I think if you look at our uh, insurance, banking sectors, I mean, they're, they're quite attractive. And I wouldn't be surprised if at some point we see somebody coming into that uh, area of the market trying to... Uh, buy buy an asset in that space, but I'll probably say you you may see the buyers waiting a bit for a proper pullback in the market because we don't know whether we are in a recession yet in the US or not. And I think once the bad news comes through, I think it might be an opportune time as the market panics that the prices pull back and people might actually want to take advantage of that. And and I'm referencing this to the post 2000 uh, 2001 crash where. The tech companies were bought en masse after the, the correction, so not prior to the correction. Okay, in other words, uh, maybe what we're seeing are just sort of bear market rallies within a, 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 that we're still in a, a, a stronger pullback and we have, mustn't discount that possibility, which is a bit terrifying. Um, okay, just sticking with you as we're lucky, there was a question on Tungela Resources, which I don't know if you can describe as a value stock anymore, although unless, I mean, if it carries on making the kind of money <laughs> it is at the moment, maybe the, an argument could be made there. But the question was, Tungela hit a new record of 305 Rand a share, although it did come off that um, at the close. I think it was sort of down a quarter of a percent. Good results, a good trading update announced today. It opened 12 months ago at 25 Rand a share. Um, so this was the trade of, I don't know, the century maybe. Um, can it go higher? As we're lucky, do you think <laughs> the action today would indicate that maybe no, it can't? 
Look, it's difficult to say whether it can go high, and I'll separate the, the two components of that uh, price. One, if you look at the PE, it's extremely low. If you look at the earnings, they're extremely high. And the question is, what could happen? You need to normalize the things. And I'll probably say at best, at best, if you assume uh, maybe the cold price stays where it is for another year, you'd probably say it's fairly valuable. But if you normalize the cold price to more longer-term levels, I, I doubt that they can sustain this kind of price. So I'd be very cautious about it. I think the PE is reflecting that. That's why the PE is very low. But I do think that you might see an overshoot or, or on the downside in the earnings, and the PE would actually write it up uh, as a result. Yeah. Um, uh, Rowan, I think the one of the most ambitious targets out there a few months ago, um, I might be going back, I don't know, four or five months, was 290 rand a share. Well, we are at that now. So a, a kudos to whichever investment bank called that one. Um, would you cash in on Tungela now if you had if you still had them? Yeah, I mean, as we were saying, it's uh, really a play on the cold price, and we are at a peak point in the cycle. So we were seeing significant tightness uh, in coal markets, and uh, the the coal price rallying dramatically. We're already starting to see oil prices come off, and the point is that uh, coal is part of the energy complex, and even though there's demand for it, given the potential supply disruptions. Uh, out of uh, uh, the U out of Russia to to Europe, um, certainly the high prices are going to uh, generate further supply, and uh, maybe some mothballed supply would come online. So the you know the enemy of high prices is high prices. So I think the coal price is certainly going to come off from here, and uh, that means the earnings will drop. So I guess it's the estimate, but it does look pretty full. I'd say just because of the. Not on the, the you know the PE type earnings, mm. but the cyclicality um, of of the, the coal price, and you see it in Kumba as well. I mean that's a down uh, significantly as iron ore futures have come down. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, to whoever who, whoever held on for the whole run and who bought in, congratulations to you. You got your ten ten bagger. Those don't come along every day. Um, yeah. And there's a question on an entirely different company, Impact. And the question is, is Impact a buy or a debt trap? If you strip out the insurance payouts from Impact's trading statement, and I think that was related to, uh, it, it was the, the or there was the substation power issues in, in the Springs operations. Um, there, so if you strip that out, their EBIT is almost flat. Uh, the company is warning of input cost raises for inputs across the business at rates outpacing inflation. And within the context of high interest rates, the company has taken on additional debt of over 400 million rand for capex and working capital outflow. So the total debt is now over 2.2 billion rand. Would the panel buy impact at these levels? So we're lucky if you look at it, does that look like an um, inordinately large amount of debt that they've taken on and does that worry you? I do. I think uh, I'm a bit worried when a cyclical company does take a bit of uh, debt to that extent. I mean, uh, if if you look at the kind of uh, products that they sell, they, they consumer facing some a lot of the products go to the consumer market, and I think the current environment economically is not really great for the consumer. We're getting high rising interest rates. We also have. Uh, uh, the, the income shrinking uh, for, for consumers. So I do think that there could be a bit of pressure and that will actually amplify the debt levels. Mm. So I wouldn't buy it at these levels. Yeah. Rowan, what do you think? And, and, and um, the other element about impact is you've got Caxton, which is 
kind of sneaking up on them. It's, you know, Caxton is not known for a big bang kind of announcement. I don't think anyone has seen Terry Mulman for about 15 years, but uh, they are interested in buying impact. So is that the one thing maybe supporting the price? I don't know. How does one judge whether or not you look at something like impact? Yeah, so I mean, I think it is supporting the price because there's some potential underpinning. They uh, they have got um, close to um, Caxton got close to 35 percent. Remember that above 35 percent is the threshold for a mandatory offer to minorities. So at the highest price that uh, the shares were accumulated at, um, so that does create an underpinning. It uh, is in play. Is, uh, if I understand, Caxton also did apply for a sort of pre-approval from competition authorities to, to raise their stakes. So uh, they have that in place as well. So it does look like um, the near term, there are some headwinds for the business. And that is a point when they are sort of going into a CapEx cycle again. I know investors have been disappointed by the cash flows there. It does look like a neat business, um, but there have been setbacks. So it's a quite a mixed investment case. And I guess going into a weak consumer environment, issues with uh, fruit exports, uh, I think I'd like to see the results, understand the potential first before we sort of uh, would 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 buy. But these are an example of companies that are are quite cheap, mm. um, mid cap companies that we were talking about earlier. And Impact certainly does fit that bill yeah. as well. Just maybe lastly, not to belabor this point, but um, if there were an offer from Caxton, would you make any money on Impact if you were buying the shares now? Yeah, so you need to analyze exactly what price, if it were to be a mandatory offer, um, they sort of the maximum price they paid. And uh, I think at this level, they did accumulate some shares higher up, but I'm not certain of that. So you need to do your homework and understand the, at the, the time period at which they accumulated. I know they bought a lot of shares much lower down. Yeah. Um, so you're right, possibly there isn't any upside because they didn't pay above the current share yeah. price. Then there isn't any upside to that. Yeah, so we're lucky. Any last word? I mean, do you have any clearer figure in your mind as to what that? No, uh, I'm not sure. I'd have to actually look at the numbers, but I certainly agree with uh, uh, my colleague that the, the price would probably be a lot lower than where we are. Uh, in reference um, to Tungela. Um, and there is a probably an even lower peak company, and that is ArcelorMittal South Africa. Um, so the question is, what are your views on ArcelorMittal South Africa? They seem very cheap. PE of around 1.5 times earnings, trading below their net asset value, making profits, little debt to speak of, no dividend, but I'm sure it will come soon. Well, we're like it. I don't know. I'm not sure I share this uh, view of certainty, but um, I stand absolutely to be corrected. What do you think? No, I mean, I, I at what, what gave the earnings a boost. And the, the, essentially, the, the price of steel multiplied by the rent. Uh, uh, that is actually supported it. But there's also, they've had a, a better CEO that has been running that operation. But certainly, I think if you look at the overall long term, I mean, this is not a business that is done exceptionally well in terms of uh, shareholder value creation. And certainly, I wouldn't say that uh, it's a stock that I'd want to, to own. I mean, it, might be cheap now, but I don't know if you take out the the, the, the price correction, I don't know if it would be as cheap as it is now. Mm. Yeah, I mean, shareholder value creation in the last year, but certainly over the long term, 10 or 15 years, massive shareholder value destruction. Um, you know, if we go back and we pull up a longer term task of Arsenal and Mattel South Africa. Rowan, um, you know, and I, when it, uh, I don't know what you made of the outlook statement because it seems quite negative from management. I mean, they said... 
Okay, I, I don't want to answer my own question, but what did you think? Yeah, so I think the issues you've got these cyclical businesses that are um, peaking in terms of their cyclical earnings. And so the PEs look very cheap uh, now, historic trailing PEs, but the forward PEs uh, don't look as attractive, as you say, because of the cyclical nature and uh, tightening um, uh, just economies and, and, and uh, diminishing demand. So you really have to take a close look at them. I think also if the company doesn't generate cash in the form of a dividend, you know, the, the earnings can be look attractive on paper, but if they're not actually paying that out and sharing that out with, with investors, are they generating the cash? Are they converting the earnings to cash, which mm. would also diminish the rating and the attractiveness of the share. So um, I think a lot of that re-rating has played out. The earnings are probably cyclically high. And uh, I think they're just sort of safer or clearer bets uh, elsewhere in this market at the moment. Yeah. I suppose the one thing that could change the picture dramatically is if you see a really um, good, intensive, sustained increase in infrastructure investments in South Africa by the South African government. But until evidence of that starts coming through, you know, I think you've got to be quite circumspect. Um, Rowan, just sticking with you, uh, there's a question on Huleman. At one point, Huleman was up 21%. I'm not sure if they're talking uh, year, uh, this year. Uh, what's caused this, this move? Um, what do you think? That's, uh, that's uh, again, talking to our point earlier. Huleman is a company that was in play at some point. I think it came out with a cautionary... Uh, late last year, if I recall, but then that caution was withdrawn. Yeah. Um, it's a sort of deep industrial asset um, with uh, very high NAV and a very low valuation. So it does look like a value play where the uh, replacement cost um, of the assets is, is even higher. So, um, But again, it's, it, the business is, hasn't been generating cash, sort of hasn't been, I guess, fulfilling its potential, which has been... Um, yeah, disappointing for investors that were looking for some sort of catalyst. So the key with these value stocks, there has to be some form of catalyst. And I guess maybe some uh, yeah, smaller shareholder was getting excited about potential uh, corporate action yeah. there. But uh, uh, these shares are quite speculative uh, right now. Um, and yeah, could be a value trap unless, you know, something something happens on the corporate side. Yeah. Zwilaka, so clearly, um, I, I don't look at Huleman all the time, so I must preface that. Um, and I think maybe the viewer is talking about today because it ended 14% up. So maybe neither none of us are, are, are keeping a close look on Huleman. So if it was up at 20% at one point and closed 14% higher, have you seen any news in the market about what might be going on there? Because that is quite a, that's quite an aggressive move on no announcement. Yeah, I, I, I didn't analyze the, the trading volumes to see uh, how strong was the, 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 the volume that was supporting the price rise. But I'll, I'm not sure. I mean, it could be a, a small buyer that just pushed the price higher. But I think, I mean, just to add to uh, Rowan's uh, point, the, these are businesses that have high asset values, but those assets are not fully productive in the sense of uh, value creation or, or shareholder value creation. So certainly they may look cheap from time to time, but you must know that uh, you you buy in at a lower price and you're exiting, you're never going to realize the, the full NAV to some extent mm. because they are not meeting the cost of capital. And I mean, uh, Aslumetal is one, uh, Hulamin is another one. They've had to do a number of restructurings to actually support the business uh, and some deals with the uh, breweries 
uh, and that didn't get them to to where they needed to be yeah okay yeah a, a good cautionary tale for for human enthusiasts um and then there's a question sticking with you as well like you mentioned that in insurance or financial services there might be some cheap uh sort of buyout uh, perspectives um so the question is, I'd like to hear the panel's thoughts on RMI and Sirius REIT. So Sirius in the property sector, we'll get to that. But uh, yeah, your thoughts there on either of those two shares? Yeah, RMI, they're in the process of uh, uh, distributing value that, uh, to shareholders. So I, I, I do think that under the, a lot of the upside has been priced in by the market in terms of the value unlock. So I wouldn't be too excited about it. but. It's a good operation that that, that they run, and, and certainly a light management in that in that business. Uh, um, okay, R uh, Rowan, your thoughts on RMI? Yes, I mean, has has everything been done really that they had to do with the assets that they had within their portfolio? Yeah, so they have largely distributed uh, um, the uh, discovery and the momentum metropolitan shares. I mean, really, it is now a, a pure play. Um, on insurance, so it's a, a, another a entry into a short-term insurer. And really, before uh, this, you you could have played RMI for for partly that, but it was a a, a, a corporate holding company, and Santam was the other one. So now you've got to look at it on the merits of of the insurance business. I mean, it is maybe a tricky time in the cycle uh, for for short-term insurers. Uh, the weak rand also pushes up the cost of claims in the motor vehicle book. Uh, there were significant floods uh, in KZN. Mm. Um, there have been some adverse weather uh, 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 events in uh, Australia as well in the UE business. So you have to look at all of these. But yes, it does look actually very full right now. And I think basically all the value in the short term has been created. There. Okay. Um, and um, uh, Sirius REIT as we're lucky. It's a you know German-focused industrial sort of office parks company. Hasn't had a great yeah, year. I don't look at it uh, that closely, but uh, yeah, I mean, Germany, uh, I think that's enough for me. <laughs> oh, do you mean, is, is that enough for you as in a, a, a strong no or a strong yes? <laughs> yeah, I, I think, I think uh, they're going to get pleased quite significantly. There might be opportunities to buy it uh, down the line, but I, I'm just worried about what's happening in Europe now in terms of energy. Yeah, I mean, they're having a fantastic summer. I can say that's with uh, good authority because I've just been there. But um, I think the, the thoughts of what is going to happen in winter is never too far from people's minds um, with Russian gas supplies. Um, Rowan, do you look at Sirius REIT at all? No, yeah, we have actually owned it in the past. It has been a, a steady performer and quite a solid performer was around Hedge as well. So it's very well run. But as Ulrike was uh, pointing out that... Um, you you having some risks that you never thought that sort of uh, the Germany sort of sovereign risk, and and little did we know that uh, Germany about fifty five percent of their their energy requirements are actually sourced from Russia, mm. and uh, it's cheap natural gas and that helps fire actually the German economy and so this is actually quite a big event risk until we have you know better clarity on what Russia's objectives are and their potential sort of yeah to 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 reduce. Uh, or potentially cut off entirely that that gas supply 
it does make it a, a difficult um, investment proposition. Yeah, I noticed a huge amount of solar paneling going up in Germany, but I wonder how that's going to fare during the winter months. Uh, so that's yeah. anyone's guess. Maybe just very quickly before I get to your stock picks and sticking with uh, comp- um, real estate companies. So we're lucky Liberty Two Degrees came out with their results today, which seemed really good. Massive improvements um, and not just from you know the depths of COVID, but also from 2019. And yet the market just ignores this one. And I think the, the discount to net asset value, my colleague Joan Miller seemed to suggest it's around 50%. Why is the market just giving this, uh, passing this one by? Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I think one of the reasons could be that the strategy, from my perspective, they, I don't see any clear strategy to grow that business. And they, they've got some great assets, but I don't know if there is a strategy to actually unlock that, that discount. I mean, that, that doesn't seem to be anything that they're doing in that direction. But certainly, uh, it's a big improvement in the results, but uh, I'm not sure if I'll, I'll be keen on it. Yeah. Rowan, would you be keen on it? No, if you look, it was a tale of two parts, the retail business uh, and uh, assets, they did recover, and largely uh, sort of closer to pre-COVID levels, but the office portfolio uh, is uh, continuing to, to wrench, retrench uh, tenants and where they do retain those tenants, it looks like um, the re- negative reversions are in excess of 20%. Mm. Uh, so a significant decline in, in income yield and obviously the valuation. So I think it remains a very challenging space. Again, not very exciting. Yeah. Slowing economy, potentially making things worse. So, yeah, again, you, you've got to think there's got to be, even though it looks really cheap on paper, more exciting opportunities elsewhere. Okay. All right. Well, tell us about those exciting opportunities uh, between the two of you in the last one and a half minutes. Rowan, sticking with you, uh, where would you, what would you be buying, if anything? Yeah, we're going for Supergroup. It's a very solid uh, industrial um, uh, logistics uh, concern and uh, quite uh, exposed to car dealerships as well. Uh, they recently came out with a trading statement that uh, actually exceeded the market's expectations. So clearly... The rebound from, from COVID has been uh, very solid. We have seen actually very buoyant trading in uh, the, the dealerships, the service side of the business, and the used cars. So the, the volume, sales volumes have come down, but the margins have been very robust. Yeah. So, And it looks like that is sustainable. And if um, supply issues are, are dealt with and, and, and volumes go up again, they will continue to to uh, generate good, good income. So it's, yeah. it's sort of a, around a 7P. It looks very reasonable at yeah. these levels. Okay. So we're lucky. How, how about you? Yeah, almost painted. Uh, Rowan said 7 PE. My pick is uh, Microsoft. Uh, it's uh, about 27 times forward earnings. And uh, I mean, I, I like the business purely because it's got uh, a low, fa- it's actually in a cash position. And also, you've got uh, the business that is very resilient through difficult times in the economy. So I certainly think that uh, it is a stock that. Uh, you can hold and never uh, lose sleep about uh, in, in this kind of environment. Yeah. Stocks that you don't wake up at 3 a.m. worrying about sounds like a, a good a good, re- good as reason as any to buy a share. Uh, as we're lucky, Rowan, thanks very much for joining us this evening. Nice to chat to you both. As we're lucky, Mguni is from Benguela Global Fund Managers. Rowan Williams is from Nitrogen Fund Managers. And we'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. Have a good evening. Thank you.